speaking with women in our community, there are just so many that I am impressed with and in awe of, and I, I learn from them, and I'm so grateful for them being mentors to women emerging into the industry through Women Offshore, and also to being mentors to really anyone, anyone who wants to learn from them. And today on the podcast, I have one of those mentors. You're going to hear from her, learn about her career and what's going on in Australia at Women Offshore. This is the Women Offshore podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is the Women Offshore podcast. Today with me, I have Susan Coleman. She is a woman in our community, as someone I greatly admire. She is a role model, one of our I would call master mentors, someone in our mentoring program who sticks out as a mentor that will take on multiple mentees at a time and is always going the extra mile for her mentees. She's been in the program for a bit. And Susan is also the president of our Australia chapter, which is really exciting. This is something new to our organization that we started Last year, as we opened up a regional chapter to provide more support locally, and we're looking to expand the organization with more chapters in 2022. So, very exciting stuff. Welcome, Susan. Welcome to the Women Offshore podcast. Hi, Ali. So, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I've been looking forward to it. Thanks, Susan, for coming on the show. Can't wait to get to know you more and talk about what's going on in Australia. Can you start out, though, by sharing how you began in the maritime industry? And I think your story is pretty unique. Yeah, sure. So I'm a horsepiper, and my journey began on commercial fishing boats out of Point Judith in Rhode Island. Real quick, just in case people don't know, a horsepiper is what? Oh, a person who came up through the ranks. Yeah, a non-maritime academy person, right? And you don't see too many housepipers, especially female housepipers. So just wanted to add that in. Yes. Yeah, so I began on commercial fishing boats, scup traps, bull raking, gill netting, and later on draggers for cod, flatfish, and dredging for scallops, all out of New England. At the time, I held an Australian Master 500 ton license. And due to the US labor laws, I could only sail unlicensed as an AB unlimited seaman. So I went to work and got a job with Woods Hole aboard the famed RV Noor, an accomplished research science vessel, historically known as the ship that discovered the RMS Titanic. And that was a great ship with many adventures. It was ocean-going, global class. It transited both polar regions. And it was just a great way to experience all the very jobs and roles that comes on deck. And by then, I had become a US citizen and I had crewed well over 1,080 days. When that happened, I disappeared for a year off to my tags and joined on the AB to mate program and returned with a third mate US Coast Guard license, which I was pretty happy about. And I had met guys at school during that time who were all talking about offshore, and I knew that I wanted to go. I had long been fascinated from afar. I'd seen the semi-subs and the drilling vessels in port and in the high seas, and I quickly crossed over to offshore starting in the US Gulf 
working supply vessels out of Port Fouchon. I was happy and it was exciting. Lots of close quarters traffic, docking and undocking, a whole new language on board and over the radio. I wasn't used to that. Uh, Then a drilling company called me back for a DPO spot, which I grabbed with both hands. And 10 years on today, I work for Transocean, hired on originally as chief mate and now working in relieving positions across Southeast Asia since the pandemic broke. And that takes me up to today. Yeah, you've done so much, Susan. You've accomplished a lot in your career. It's just so great to get to know you more. I mean, I remember the first moment I met you and feeling so connected to you and learning about your experiences. So I'm really glad that you can share these experiences here on the podcast. So let's talk about what you're most proud of. You've accomplished a lot. What are you most proud of in your career? You know, I think probably the first day I sailed chief mate and coming full circle, I was super happy about that. I'd started out on deck, which is what I love doing. And here I was working back on deck, which is really where I thrive. And knowing that the guys that work for you, they respect you because you, myself, as an honest worker and a fair person, So that means a lot to me. I always feel very proud of that. I also enjoy working with other departments and helping our teams. And as chief mate, really you're monitoring third party closely, understanding their job tasks clearly and how to keep them in compliance with the ship, keeping us all safe. So really the chief mate position, I just love from day one. That for me feels good. Yeah, that's a great moment to share. And I would be very proud of that too. So thank you for sharing that. What about sea stories? Are there any great sea stories that you can share with us? Maybe something that had a memorable experience or a lesson learned? Yeah, sure. I think early days, arriving on board as a DPO, it's still very early days. It was the end of well, and we were preparing to unlatch and get underway. I was looking forward to this. It was going to be a long voyage and an easy steam ahead. By this, I mean, you know, not manning the DP desk, free to walk around the bridge, sip your coffee, walk out to the bridge deck, soak in some fresh air, monitor traffic, just all easy stuff. And I was really looking forward to that. However, it's not really quite what went down. You know, as soon as we stepped off the chopper, entering the heli waiting lounge, I was looking for my back to back. And I was greeted hastily by him and then quickly ushered onto the bridge. The engine room was flooding from a yet to be identified leak in the space. There's a problem with one of the engine room bilge pumps that was not keeping up and we were transferring mud out of the pits to the boat and the senior DPO had been summoned home for an emergency and this was forcing me to step up into position for the first time and this was not what I was thinking at all. And, oh my you know, gosh, that's so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so in essence, you know, that walk from, you know, landing in the heli lounge and then walking onto the bridge, that was my turnover you know, and that's not what I'd read, you know, 30 hours earlier in a hotel or on route traveling because we were international then. So everything was happening and, you know, we were still latched. You know, we still had a ton of work to get done before we got going. So I think for them, this is when you really, you start to learn how to roll and just to get on with it. You know, there's all the talk when you do your drills and then when stuff happens, you know, you just get on with it. And yeah, it was great. I mean, at the time I was a little overwhelmed, but, you know, it was all over quick, you know, both senior DPOs were off on the chopper and that was it. It was just us. It was three of us. And so, wow. yeah, we pulled it off. Wow. Yeah. You had to adapt and overcome <laughs> quite quickly in that situation <laughs> with limited experience. So kudos to you and your team. And every day out there is so 
different. And this is an example of of what that can look like. Oh, that's totally. And as you know, you know, there's such a steady path going from a junior officer to a senior officer. You have all your sign-offs to complete, your check-offs, you know, supervisor overlooks everything. You know, you sit down and you have a conversation with your senior supervisor to discuss all the points. So, you know, it's quite a task to work up to it. I mean, I knew I had started a little bit of it, but I didn't know that was on the cards that trip. You know, I mean, I really thought that I would be stepping out on the wings, sipping coffee, you know, looking out at traffic. <laughs> right. And that was not the trip at all, which is yeah. exactly what you said. You know, this is this is offshore. You know, this is what we plan and it's not always how it goes and you just got to get on with it. Yeah, you'd have to roll with it. There are so many challenges out there, right? It's a hard career for anyone. People who've listened yeah. to this podcast for a while know that, you know, I, I talk about challenges a lot and, and it's just, every day can be full of challenges. So what challenges have you had to overcome and and how did you get through them? And could you talk about challenges being a woman? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, for sacrifices, you make a lot of sacrifices. You lose a lot of time. You miss your family and friends events, many Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, fun events, you know, holidays away with families or partners. You know, and sometimes your friends just stop calling. You know, they forget that even though you tell them you're working internationally, that you can't pick up SMS, you can't pick up your voicemails. And no matter how many times you tell them, you know, get me on WhatsApp, you know, they forget. So you have to look after your friendships too when you come back, you know, your partner, your family. So a lot of sacrifices that way. And, of course, the loneliness, you know, the loneliness is a challenge. It's a male-heavy industry and it can be quite isolating. I once worked on what was known as a chick ship, which was fantastic because you don't realize how much your conversation content changes dramatically when you're working with women. I thought it was, I loved it. I thought it was great. So was it a chick ship? Because there were a lot of women on board. How many women were there? So that was colloquially chick ship. I don't think anybody professionally called it a chick ship. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we did and we were proud of it. So when I say chick ships, I mean, I think there was about five women on board, which really is a lot when you're sailing with a crew of 24. Right. That is a lot. You know? Yeah, for the industry, it's a lot. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So we loved it. You know, we, we thought it was great. And I think probably like the other main ongoing challenge really is bias, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And I think that's one that most of us struggle with or will attuned to. You know, I've been working blue water before I crossed over to offshore. So I'm racking up around 20 years and it's still part of my day. So it's something that I manage because I've had a you know better time up my sleeve. That doesn't mean I'm not affected by it. doesn't mean I'm not aware of it. It just means over time I've learned how to manage it. You know, so I think about the younger women who are entering and for them, I think it's a tough call. And so that's one of the reasons why I actively pursue the mentoring because through the mentorship program or the flagship of women offshore is this is really a great way to keep our women engaged and support them because I think the bias, as I say, unconscious or conscious, is a strong factor and it can really affect a lot of people. And a really good example of that is, you know, another department comes onto the bridge and they automatically speak with the male, even though the male is the junior officer. And I've learned over time to refrain myself from correcting this immediately and I can afford to wait because at some point, Whatever is decided will have to be confirmed by me right there in front of all parties. 
But again, this is over time I've learned this and you have to pick your times. You know, we're not on the job to teach others positive social behaviours. We're there to do a job and I want to be able to get on with it. And, you know, I avoid confrontations. However, when it is time to draw a line in the sand, I will not hesitate because you have to. It's a well-developed skill, which in practice has sharpened probably due to some of the behaviours that you've experienced over time. So I can also say thank you, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what is something that you had to learn in your career that was a tough lesson? I'd say choose your battles, which is probably going on a little bit further than what I just mentioned. Choose your battles and know your value. Hold fast. Those that recognize what you offer will support you because they see it and accept that there will be those that will not. And the responsibility falls on you to apply the discipline, not to take it personally. We are the sum of all our experiences. And I know that mine are different to most. Something that someone said to me the other day is like, when you're getting feedback, they're just giving you, they're giving you feedback for like that moment in time, that thing that you did. It doesn't necessarily mean that's all of you or who you are and just take it for what it is for that exact thing. Yeah. And, you know, the other point too, you know, challenges are a normal part of your working environment. You know, it's just ours are a little bit different and a little bit unique. That doesn't mean that they're more challenging. It just means that they are the typical challenges that I think that we face, given that it's a male heavy industry, I guess is the new terminology. But, you know, not to let that be, you know, don't let that put you off. It's just simply a challenge, nothing more, nothing less. And you learn, you find ways to deal with it, just like you would a short job or any other type of job. And you just get on with it. Yeah, you learn how to navigate it. And you have great mentors like you, Susan, to help you get through it. (laughs) (laughs) I try. I still try. (laughs) Let's switch gears and talk about the Australia chapter. What's going on there? What should we expect? Thank you. I am super excited about the Australian chapter. This has been a fantastic adventure since we first embarked upon it. We've got a few things that are really beautiful. We're looking at human relationships and maritime and also interactive workshops and publishing schedules of social media and events. So when we talk about the human relationships and maritime, what we're talking about are videos promoting the use of positive language. And this comes into place to support the STCW, which is personal safety responsibilities. So ultimately, really what we're doing here is producing a series of videos promoting the use of positive language and acceptable behavioral conduct on board vessels. And this will educate current and our next generation of all seafarers in acquiring proactive responses and responsible actions. So all crew must learn to navigate uncomfortable conversations and develop an effective skill set. Currently, that responsibility tends to fall on women's seafarers, but with all seafarers in participation, this does raise the bar for company culture. When these videos are put together, we will be approaching, you know, IMO and tertiary maritime education facilities that do the STCW basic safety training and also for our basic offshore safety induction and emergency training, including the refresher classes. So that's for all our classes and our basic safety training. And that's a lot of people. That's when you're starting your courses and also when you come back to refresh every five years. So this way we'll really catch everybody. And that's a big project. Currently right now, I believe that's sitting in the inbox of the shelf of IMO. So that's exciting. There's also port chats 
which is a means of connecting visiting women seafarers with other maritime women in their local ports and also virtual interactive workshops. And this is discussing the hot topics that come up in conferences, talkbacks, etc., and just elaborating on them further and talking to our own industry leaders in Australia about those interesting subjects and getting an Australian perspective of it and how it affects us. So that's our big goals. And of course, a lot is changing and developing as we move through it, but that's the perspective. And it's a great option for us because our industry is somewhat different than the American and our worldwide counterparts. A lot of our work is offshore for Australian shipping seafarers and a lot of it's in the Northwest Shelf. So this gives a great opportunity to not only for our deck and engineering seafarers, but also for our maintenance and for women in trades. It's a fantastic opportunity to get offshore and further your careers and create good lives. So that's a real big goal. That's the one I'm concentrating a lot on at the moment. That's so great and very, very important, right? Like what you talked about earlier, it shouldn't be on the women to educate others on on how to be professional. So it's good that you're doing this. Thank you so much for all your hard work and can't wait to see the, the final outcome of that and hear about the widespread use. So pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. And everything that you're doing in Australia. So thank you, Susan. Is there oh, anything yeah. else you'd like to share with us? Well, I think what I could really promote is to reach out and see how you can help shape regional chapters in your area. You only have to look at what has happened here at Women Offshore to see that when we strengthen our ties, when we connect and unite, we ultimately boost our careers. So, you know, it's already something that works. And when you go regional in your area, you create an even closer community and you can you know, have a greater hand in promoting, you know, women offshore. So it's, it's a great venture to get involved in. So if you're thinking about it, take a look into your area and have a chat with your friends, your work colleagues, and see how, see what you can do in your area. And if I can just add one of my favorite author, I love this quote from Gretel Ehrlich, and she writes, it's not toughness, but toughing it out that counts. To be tough is to be fragile. To be tender is to be truly fierce. And I love that comment. It's just a reminder that even though we work tough, being open, available, and listening to others is a great way to support one another. Yep, we are fierce. We're so resilient as female seafarers. I know. I know, right? And so, you know, there's this, well, I just, you know, it's something like so many people that have offshore in their mind and what we as women must be like. And they think that we're sort of, you know, this, you know, super macho or we're going to be aggressive or hardcore, you know, and that's true because when I first started out 20 years ago, that's what it was. And I know that I certainly was, was that I didn't have anything in front of me to show, but you know, as time, that's all, you know, drop that like a bag of rocks, that's exhausting. And the girls that you meet and you must see it yourself all the time, there's a slew of different types of personalities and there's a lot of female girls. There's strong girls. There's like classic ideas. There's just all this. It's us. It's just a reflection of us. What you see on shore is what you see offshore. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love it. You can see us as individuals, not just as tokens when we're a collective group and there's so many. And one of the things that people say to us all the time, they'll write in and say, oh, I had no idea that there were so many women that work in this industry. And it 
it can look like a lot when you're going through womenoffshore.org or social media. We know that when you get out there, it can feel very isolating, especially when you're the only woman on board, which is quite common. But yeah, when you look at us and you see like, hey, there are women out there that wear makeup and they do their hair and then there are other women that don't. And, you know, there are women who, you know, you wouldn't have no idea talking to them on, you know, say you run into them at the grocery store. You'd have no idea that they spend half the year on a ship, you know, and working in like the mud lab and being so dirty in, in their daily duties. But here they are, you know. Living you see lives. them on shore, polished, cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. not what you would expect at all. And and that's just what I that's what I just really love about the women that represent offshore. It's just this fantastic mix. And yes, we are a bunch of tough, strong girls, but not tough as in tough and hard, just strong. And I just I love that mix. It's just awesome. Thanks so much, Susan. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for everything that you're doing for Women Offshore in Australia and for being the incredible mentor you are in our community. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Ali. And thank you for promoting Women Offshore in Australia. Thank you for grabbing that idea with both hands and taking off with it and giving me all the support that you give me. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel women offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop, make a donation, or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon.